Welcome to the All Souls in Berkeley Sermon Podcast. This week we hear from the Reverend Maggie Foote as she preaches from the lectionary passage, which this week was the Gospel of John, chapter 6, 1 through 21. And as always, you can find more sermons and information about All Souls at allsoulsparish.org. Enjoy! with you. When I saw that the gospel reading for this week was the miracle of the feeding of 5,000, I was, well, let's just say I wasn't too jazzed up about it. Sure, it's a great story and all, and I love a good miracle as much as the next person. But you see, this particular miracle story is just a little over the top for me. Like, 5,000 people, really? With 12 baskets left over? To me, this sort of feels like one of those stories you tell after you go fishing. You know, when you catch a fish and each time you tell the story to, the new, to a new audience, the fish just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So when I sat down to think about what I might say about this story, I was sort of at a loss. Sure, I could wax poetic about God's abundance and how there's always enough for everyone. Or I could talk about whether or not I think it's important to believe the actual events of these miracle stories or not. And maybe on a different day, I would. Not today. None of that is stirring up my heart or leading me to want to change my behavior or my attitude. So I guess we'll just have to take a closer look. Jesus has been busy so far in John's gospel. He's been traveling all over, calling his disciples, turning water into wine, cleansing the temples of the vendors and money changers, encountering a Samaritan woman at the well and telling her the good news of the living water, healing people, teaching them, etc. The story we read this morning comes directly after almost an entire chapter of people questioning Jesus' authority. He heals a man on the Sabbath day, which isn't allowed, and now everyone wants to know, who does this guy think he is? Jesus has just finished a long discourse about how he has been sent by the Father to bring life. And he goes to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and that's where he encounters the throngs of hungry people waiting for the man that they've heard so much about. This is the guy who heals people. This is the guy who performs miracles. This is the guy we've heard about. We have to see him. And as Jesus approaches this huge crowd on the far side of the sea, his first thought isn't about what a great audience he has or even how to sneak past by unseen. But rather, it's what on God's green earth are we going to feed all these people? Okay, so this is where it starts to come together for me. A clue as to why this story was compelling enough to be included in all four Gospels, sometimes even twice. And perhaps why it's compelling to me at this particular moment in time as well. Jesus' gut reaction when he's exhausted physically from traveling all over the countryside, exhausted mentally from trying to explain who he is to both his followers and his naysayers, is to feed people. 
Sure, because the people are hungry, of course, and who isn't impressed by a good miracle? But also, when there's food, people tend to stick around for a while. And more than anything, Jesus wants people to be together, to live and love, serve and share, and hope in community. After all, he tells us that when two or three are gathered in his name, he will be in the midst of them. Jesus knows that at some point he won't be around anymore, at least not physically anyway, to attract people with his signs and wonders. And all they'll have is each other, the bread that they share, and the stories he's told them. And after the miracle, while these throngs of people are sitting on the hillside, well and truly stuffed from eating all they wanted, they realize that Jesus must indeed be the prophet who has come into the world. So what do they want to do in that moment? They want to make him king. They want to have a leader who can perform miracles, who can create a feast for thousands of people from only a few loaves of bread and some fish. They want a king who is sensational. But Jesus doesn't have time for that right now. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, and it can't be bound by the limited minds of human beings who would inevitably grow weary of Jesus' constant preaching about a different kind of kingdom and demand more. More food, more security, more of anything and everything that makes them feel like they are immune to the pain and suffering of the world. And who, buddy, are they wrong about what kind of king Jesus is? And Jesus knows it, too. So he has to get out of there. And maybe once the initial disappointment of not having that sensational, miracle-working king that they want settles a bit, the people on the hillside will think back on the miracle of this day. And their stories will be shot through with the abundance and richness of God's provision and blessings over them, for sure. But they'll also remember the faces and the stories of the people who were on that hillside with them. The energy that they felt knowing that they had all been called there by someone who made them want to believe in something. The memory of what it felt like to have everything they needed and still have some left over to share with the next person. So what's the real miracle here? Is it that Jesus somehow magically made more bread and fish appear? I suppose it could be. Or maybe the real miracle is that 5,000 people came to see a sensational prophet and were met with community. 5,000 people came just to catch a glimpse of Jesus but instead were invited to sit down next to the others on the hillside and share a meal with them and allow Jesus to feed them. I wonder what kind of king we want our Jesus to be. I'll admit that sometimes I want that sensational King Jesus who can fix my problems and take care of all my needs without me having to do anything. 
But on my good days, at least, I know that this isn't actually the kind of king that can transform my heart. This isn't the king that can transform my community. This isn't the king that can usher in a new reign where everything that has been cast down is being raised up. And if that transformation is what we seek, and if the reign of God is the reality toward which we all orient our lives, then Jesus shows us exactly what we need. We need to be together, sharing food and stories, trusting that there will be enough to go around, offering the gifts that we have in service to the whole, just like that little boy with his meager lunch of fish and bread. And if true transformation is what we seek, then Jesus shows us exactly what we are called to offer one another and to the world. Not the message of a king who can instantly provide for our every material need, but the message of a king who would choose to sit down next to us and talk to us, break bread with us, and draw us together into one body. A king who, when he sees throngs of people coming toward him excitedly, reacts not by drawing more attention to himself, but rather by asking how all these people will be fed. This kind of transformation is possible in big ways and in small ways every day. It happens when we begin to see that living as the body of Christ in the world, sharing our stories, telling the stories of Jesus, breaking bread together, living in community with one another, being in relationship with one another, as messy and vulnerable and challenging as it can be sometimes is actually the miracle that we're searching for. Everything we need is here. <laughs>